Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Package Tourist, hosted by yours truly, The Package Tourist and the Magical Mystery Tour Called Life, Matthew DeBiaz. Tonight's guest is author and military memorabilia collector James Sinclair. Since childhood, James has had a fascination with collecting uniforms and memorabilia devoted to World War II from both the Allied and Axis sides of the conflict. Then, in the 1990s, James turned his attention to flag-ranked uniforms, and by the middle of the 1990s, he expanded his memorabilia collection to include uniforms worn by Russian generals and field marshals from the former Soviet Union. You can get a sense of his amazing collection by accessing his website, www.thesinclaircollection.com. In 2004 and 2006, James published two books which discuss and feature his amazing collection of Soviet Russian uniforms and regalia. James, what sparked your interest in collecting military uniforms and memorabilia? Well, thanks for having me on your show, uh, Matthew. Uh, I, you know, I guess being born shortly after World War II ended, uh, everyone was involved with the, in the war effort, including my, all my relatives, aunts and uncles, cousins. And I remember as a little boy, they would bring me over memorabilia that they had brought back from the war, either a uniform, a part of a uniform, uh, or, or documents, uh, dog tags, things like that. And that developed into an interest in uniforms. Uh, but my first uniform that I remember was a Corporal Rusty uniform. <laughs> I don't know if you remember Corporal Rusty and Private Lin Tin Tin. No. And it was a pretty well-known TV show back in the uh, early 50s. And uh, that led on to, uh, I ended up going to Valley Forge Military Academy and uh, after that, I just was have always been interested in the military uniform. I thought I was going to have a career in the military after Valley Forge. And my interest just took me elsewhere. After I got out of school, I worked as an engineer for uh, several years and uh, uh, have always collected um, usually American and British uniforms. And then in the 90s, uh, I began seeing incredible pieces coming out of the former Soviet Union that were famous people. And we, we don't get taught in school who the Russian uh, marshals, admirals, and generals are. We learn about MacArthur, Nimitz, and Halsey, and Eisenhower, and Patton, and so forth. But uh, these were the movers and shakers of the war. And I was, uh, I wanted one example of a Russian general service uniform to go with my collection of allied uh, uniforms that I was collecting. And that just led to uh, the collection that you see on the website today and the, the publication of uh, my uh, two volume compendium with uh, Schiffer Published. James, how difficult and expensive is it to obtain to obtain these uniforms and memorabilia? I mean, did you have to negotiate with any Russian government agencies, or all or all these acquisitions done privately? How yeah? You know, can you tell can you tell our listeners you know the logistics of, of acquiring these uh, very rare uh, items from uh, Russia? Well, I, I was fortunate in the mid 
90s, that I ran across uh, a gentleman named Doug Dravick, who is a broker. He's also co-authored my uh, the two-volume compendium that I did, uh, that I've done. Uh, he mostly got information uh, for me. It's uh, he he had been to Russia several times prior to the collapse of the Soviet Union, and he uh, had established. Uh, connections with what was then the Russian collectors community, which at the time they were only allowed to trade within the borders of the former Soviet Union. When uh, the Soviet Union fell, uh, it became the Wild West. And as you know, there was a lot of art that was sold, uh, Fabergé, uh, silver, um, and on and on. I mean, the people were selling what they had had in their possession that they were never allowed to sell. The ruble was doing very badly and the U.S. dollar was king. So the, the first uniform that I bought, I bought through uh, Doug. And that led to uh, a uniform that was uh, for Marshal uh, Voroshilov. Mm. who was uh, Stalin's uh, deputy, I guess you'd call him a deputy commander. Uh, he pretty much was a messenger. He would deliver uh, information to uh, the front lines and to the, chiefs of, the chief of staff. Uh, in terms of money, uh, it's changed quite a bit over the years. You have to understand I've been doing this for over 25 years now. Wow. Um, the... Originally, the uh, uniforms could be bought um, for what would be the equivalent of what you would pay for um, a British, American, or German uh, uniform. And there are a lot of uh, collectors. This is actually, military is a huge business. There are uh, shows all over the United States and Europe um, every year, and um, I found that um, <clears throat> negotiating with the Russians through Doug uh, became something that I had to learn about. Russians can be very tough. Mm. They can be um, uh, a little hard to deal with, but it always worked out. And I, I think at the time when I was uh, starting to put this together, and I had no idea it was going to turn into what it's turned into today, which uh, is purported to be the finest collection of its type in the world, and the Russians don't even have um, the equivalent. Wow. Most of it, the, uh, I bought the best of the best as it came to market because of the connections I have. I was just very, very lucky was in the right place at the right right time, Matt. So um, it can get very expensive, mm. to answer your question. Uh, I own one of Stalin's uniforms that mm. was unique to him. It, uh, the Russians copied the Tsarist design books uh, in 1943, and came out with more elaborate uniforms, including one that Stalin um, had designed for himself. And in, uh, I think it's my second volume, 
there's a portrait of Nicholas II wearing the same uniform, or very similar uniform. Uh, that uniform was very expensive. Mm. The, and and uh, it depends on who the person is. I've recently bought a set that was a marshal of, sig of signals named uh, Parasipkin. And this collection must have belonged to the, the Parasipkin's family because it uh, came with his Victory Parade uniform, which I've recently written an article. Um, I believe I sent you a copy of it. Uh, he was a marshal of signals, which was, he was the only marshal to hold that rank uh, in, in signals. Signals were very important, getting information to the front lines. Uh, he, uh, this man developed uh, equipment and procedures that um, enabled them to uh, quickly get uh, orders from uh, Stalin and from the chiefs of staff out to their field commanders. So um, I'd, ha I'd have to say that uh, it, getting a, a set like this, which was his victory parade uniform, which was from 1945, his overcoat, uh, a service uniform from 1943, and all of these have uh, caps, uh, pants, belts, and that's, that's unusual. Some of my sets, sometimes I only get a tunic. Or sometimes it's a tunic and pants, or a tunic, pants, and cap, and belt, and boots and spurs, and breeches, or pants, mm. or overcoats, or Jim Stroikas, which are a type of shirt that uh, buttons down like a polo shirt and is pulled over your head. James, do you have a museum facility where people can come and visit and admire your collection? Well, uh, the collection it actually is in museum storage right now okay. in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. Okay. And um, I I only take pieces of it out for uh, exhibitions. I did have an exhibition at the uh, Russian Embassy a few years ago. I was invited by Ambassador Yushakov uh, to display a, a portion of the collection in their grand ballroom for the awarding of anniversary medals to Russian veterans who had immigrated to uh, the United States. And there were probably about 600 people there. Um, I've been asked to uh, display just recently um, at, at the uh, embassy. But uh, uh, right now I've, I've, I'm in the process of cataloging and photo uh, doing photography. So um, although I, I pretty much constantly have invitations, uh, I, I'm waiting for the right opportunity. I, I would like to have a complete show, but there are 90 sets here, Matthew. So it's yeah, it's 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 extensive. I mean, it's you know probably a ton of uniforms, literally, and and, and a tunic can weigh. 15 pounds. These mm. are heavy, heavy, because Russian, Russian winters get pretty cold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, next year, you know, uh, 2021 will be the 80th anniversary of when Germany invaded Russia. And of course, that's when Russia really entered World War II in, in absolute earnest. 
do you anticipate any are you trying to work out an exhibit to commemorate those that 80th anniversary uh any well, notions we, or ideas any invitations for that oh sure well you realize that this year was the 20 the 75th anniversary yes uh of the end of the war yeah and um I'm always speaking to different museums and different people. Um, I think I'm at a point in my life where I'd like to see the collection find a home in a museum. Mm. It's, it's gotten to the point that I don't know if I could add anything to it. The best of the best is gone from Russia. Mm. They don't, they don't, there's, there's really, if anything's left, uh, it's owned by collectors that are just not going to part with it. It's pretty much the entire pyramid from Stalin down, including all the chiefs of staff, wow. the Air Force, the Navy, the dip diplomats, including Vyshinsky. Um, there are, uh, in the, as I said, in the whole collection, there are 90 sets. There are uh, 10 marshals who were on the uh, cover of Time magazine. Um, you remember these people were our allies at this point. They were, were originally the allies of Germany. Yes. And then when Operation Barbarossa happened, as you mentioned, um, they quickly, uh, you know, they were invaded by the Germans who uh, just annihilated the, the, the front forces, uh, the front lines of the, of the Russian forces at the time. Um, there are 13 marshals in the collection, nine branch marshals, which branch marshals would be like Persephone, Marshal of Signals, Marshal of Aviation, Marshal of Tanks or Armored Troops. Uh, there are 19 heroes of the Soviet Union, which is an award, the equivalent of our Medal of Honor. Mm -hmm. um, my original idea for this was to, when it started to get serious, that I thought, you know, this, right now, we're, Russia and the United States are not getting along. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's time that we, we fix uh, our, our uh, issues between us, and we need to get a nuclear agreement going on. I believe that my, my hope had been, and still is, that somehow this collection uh, would end up uh, either going back to Russia or even even to a facility like the Smithsonian or the World War II Museum in New Orleans, mm. where it can be enjoyed by uh, uh, scholars and academics as well as the public. And perhaps in its own way, maybe create a little more uh, understanding between our two countries that an American, <laughs> me, decided to collect this because it is it's a very narrow focus okay when when I when I speak to people about you know they say well what do you do and well, I'm a collector what do you collect well I collect Russian uniforms of marshals generals and admirals yeah there's a lot of raised eyebrows going on you know when you say something like that because it's it, it's it's not something that a typical American thinks about, and I never thought about it. I have no ties to Russia. This uh, collection is certainly not political on my part. It's just these pieces needed to be saved because yes. if I hadn't bought them and put 
the compendium together, they would have ended up in hundreds of private collections all over the world. Okay. And they would have been lost forever. As it is now, it is a uh, museum quality, uh, significantly uh, significant historical uh, collection that could never be reproduced again. So uh, I, I, my hope is that um, the collection could be um, could find a new home, and uh, that's I've been working on that recently too. So in terms to answer your question, this is sort of being around the bush, but I uh, I do uh, constantly I'm constantly in touch uh, uh, through LinkedIn like you that uh, we. Uh, that I'm constantly in touch with uh, different museums and facilities that uh, have uh, have and are now uh, uh, expressing an interest in uh, e exhibiting uh, the collection. Question, um, is there a uniform which you have always coveted that you would like to acquire but thus far have uh, failed to obtain at the present time? It's only like your elusive holy grail, you'd give your IT to get it, you know, but you still haven't gotten it yet. Is there one you're on the lookout for? Oh, it's always it's always the one, Matthew, that, that you don't know that exists. Mm. So so for instance, Pacifican, this this one that I just uh, recently acquired, I didn't know that the uniform existed. I mean I knew that the rank existed, but some uniforms just you have no idea where they are. Mm. The, the Russian collector community have a way of looking up addresses of uh, family members. Of uh, they'll figure out who the you know who somebody was, where they lived, call the family and see if they have anything for sale. And I think people uh, do that here when you see that TV show Pickers. That's essentially what they do. They make phone calls and they find out what people have. Uh, I had no idea this uniform existed. And it's it, it he was the only person to hold this rank. And he was a branch marshal. I mean, he's a very high rank. That's the equivalent of a four star American general. Yeah. So um, I'm often surprised by what just shows up that if I had known that it existed, I would have been trying to get a hold of it. Mm. Another example would be Fedorenko, who was the Marshal of Tanks and the uh, strategist behind the Kursk uh, offensive, wow. the, the greatest tank battle uh, of history. Wow. And I just acquired uh, just recently uh, his uh, 1940 uh, tunic, his uh, service and walking out uniform. Uh, so to answer your question, I, I, there could be things out there that I'm not aware of. Yeah. But again, I know that I've filled in most of the gaps of uh, every branch um, of all the ranks, all the chiefs of staff, as I said. Uh, so you never know what's around the corner in life, Matthew. So I'm I'm, uh, I'm always hopeful that something will show up, but. Uh, I'm not sure if I had to guess right now. I don't know what that would be. I really don't. Okay, you mentioned Voroshilov, you know, who was uh, commander of the Leningrad Front during the early days of Barbarossa. 
before he was replaced by Zhukov. I like to call out the names of certain Russian, famous Russian marshals in general, and you let me know whether you have their their uniforms, you know, in your collection. Zhukov. Sure. Zhukov. I do. I have now. That's that's a good story because Zhukov is so revered. Yeah. And his victory parade uniform is in the Central Armed Forces Museum in Moscow, uh, behind a glass case yeah. uh, with all of his medals and so forth on it. Nothing ever left Russia uh, of his, but there was a, when he signed the agreement in uh, Berlin, Yeah which was actually the second signing of the peace document. The first was signed in Rennes. Yeah. And Stalin insisted that a second signing be done uh, where Zhukov could be present. The tunic that he wore in the signing of that agreement was later put on display in Berlin in what became East Germany. Wow. And when East Berlin fell, it was shipped back to Russia, and it was bought by, it was, I, I, from my, the best that I've been able to figure out, and through Doug and I trying to do our research with this, that it was uh, put in a museum and then deaccessioned uh, in 1993 wow. at the collapse of the uh, Soviet Union. got to remember that Back then, in in the ninety, the mid nineties, uh, they didn't even have enough money to heat museums, pay staff, uh, to uh, to pay cons- uh, conservators, or even pay for the storage. So they would sell, like a lot of museums are doing today. They would deaccess certain pieces to pay the bills. Okay. So this uniform was bought by a collector who lived uh, outside of Moscow. And he held on to it as his holy grail uh, up until uh, about two years ago when I got word that it was uh, being offered. And there's a picture of it. Um, it's actually, you can see it on the website. The uh, And then there's this great picture of him at the signing wearing the uniform. Yeah. He has two heroes of the Soviet Union medals on. Uh, and he it was, and two weeks later he was awarded his third. Wow! So the tunic I have actually has the embroidered hole for the third uh, hero star. And so to answer your question, yes, I have uh, the tunic. Wow! And the tunic is all I have, but it's a fabulous piece. Yeah. Because he 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 as I said he's just revered uh, greatly in Russia. He's uh, and even today. Okay, I'm going to throw another name at you, Konev. Konev. Uh, I, I do have a tunic of his. He evidently flew from, um, I think it was an airfield outside of Berlin to Smolensk. Yeah. And he got airsick on the plane. And he threw up all over his wonderful <laughs> gruesome, but it's sort of a funny story. He got airsick, and he, he threw up all over himself. And it was a small plane. It was probably an observation plane. He had to get there to make a, uh, a speech and presentation. So when he landed, he, uh, he, I guess he had luggage with him, and he changed into another uniform and left the other 
uniform there. Well, it is a, an exquisitely tailored, <laughs> very fine wool um, with his cross belt, his pants, his boots, and spurs and cap. Wow. And it was deaccessioned again in the uh, late 90s and was bought by the um, collector's community, and it uh, became part of my collection. James, where can listeners uh, purchase your books? Uh, as I said, it's uh, my publisher is Schiffer Publishing, so it's SchifferBooks.com. Uh, they're also available on Amazon, uh, on eBay, and literally all over the world. They, uh, Schiffer has a great uh, distribution uh, network, and, um, and and some bookstores. It, again, it's 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 somewhat of a narrow focus, so it's not. Uh, something that everybody's going to be interested in, but it is fascinating reading. If you're if you're a Second World War history buff, it's a chance to learn something uh, about something that we weren't taught in school. And it's the Russians had it tougher than anybody. Yeah, they lost uh, estimates are somewhere in excess of 60 million uh, Russians were uh, killed during the war. So. Um, the books are, are readily available. I, I see them on eBay uh, frequently. There is a two-volume uh, box set that is also available in addition to uh, being able to buy the uh, the editions by themselves. Uh, with the present tension, you mentioned earlier about the present tensions between America and Russia. Has that in any way posed any obstacles for you at the present time in acquiring new uniforms and memorabilia? Yeah, um, the Persifkin uniform is already here in America. So, uh, and it was owned by a guy who bought it back in the 90s and held on to it for all this time. Um, my understanding is now that uh, President Putin is not allowed, has clamped down on art and uh, has uh, historical significance. He's clamped down on land and getting any of that stuff to leave the country. Ouch. So um, the pieces that I have seen uh, come out in the past, or that became available in the past three, four years, um, most of them were already here in America. I'm seeing less and less pieces coming out of uh, the former Soviet Union. But part of that reason is because there isn't really a whole lot left. A lot of these uniforms were destroyed. Their earlier uniforms were turned in for rags Ooh. and reprocessed for blankets and so forth for the war effort. So what didn't end up, the only ones that ended up uh, being saved were ones that were sent to museums. Museums have deaccessioned a lot of this, but um, there's not, uh, I haven't seen anything of, of great historical significance uh, for the past few years that it's come directly out of Russia because they're holding on to it what if, if there's anything left. James, I want to thank you so much for appearing on my show. It was absolutely fascinating to listen to you, you know, tell us about your collection and all that. I would give anything to see an exhibit. I mean, if you ever stage one in the greater Philadelphia area or Delaware, wherever, please let me know. I'd, I'd give anything to see that stuff, really. Well, I, I appreciate that, Matthew, and, I, and I'll certainly let you know and keep you up to date. We'll uh, be communicating on uh, LinkedIn anyway. 
and uh, I'll, uh, I'll be sending uh, or writing some new articles uh, in the next uh, few weeks on some uh, other uh, uniforms that are, uh, have interesting stories behind them. So thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. And it's fun, fun chatting with you. You t thank again, thank you again, James. And please take care. Be safe, okay. And I, I hopefully one day I love to have you on my show again, okay. Sure. Thank you. Good please, talking with you. Please take care, okay. You too. Be safe. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for our next show, which will air two weeks from now, where I will be interviewing author Heather Ann Thompson. Thank you and good night.